So now kind of looking back on that, a lot of ways God was preparing me. I mean, cause that's really what your Christian life is like, right? I mean, you you have to grind. It's all about serving other people. You're not looking for nothing, nothing back, right? I'm serving, giving of myself to the utmost just so that you could be in the right place, right? Allowing God to flow through me to these other people. And so I think that was a, a great moment of humility um, and put me in the fire using sports to really show me something of what the Christian life is all about. Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood. Our next guest is a former teammate of mine, was an absolute beast on the field, and one of the men I respect most in this entire world, and that's Lorenzo Alexander. When Lorenzo joined the Redskins in 2006, Alexander gained the nickname One Man Gang due to the versatility of football positions he can play. Offensive guard, tight end, linebacker, fullback, defensive tackle, defensive end, and special teams. He was a two-time Pro Bowler and nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award four times. In this episode, you will hear some behind-the-scenes talk from the NFL, which so many of you have told me that you love, so we continue that. You will also be inspired by the words shared by Lorenzo on transitions in life, being adaptable to chase success, and also great advice for parents and spouses out there. Please take time to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Share this episode on social media, and I'll push your post out through my social media as well. Follow me on Instagram at ewood70 and at Podcast page, and there will be giveaways coming that I do not want you to miss out on. Enjoy this impactful and inspiring episode with my boy, Zoe. Zoe, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, what's going on, Ewood? Been a while, man. It has been, and honestly, I'm so excited to give a full breakdown of your journey and you as a man to all the listeners because, I mean, and they just heard it in the intro, but you're one of the guys I've, I just have the utmost respect for. You know that I've told you that personally, but I'm super excited to have you on. So we're going to start at the beginning with you so we don't leave anything out. What type of athlete were you as a kid? What sports did you play? Um, I was a pretty good athlete. Uh, I think I was natural in a lot of ways. Um, I played basketball, uh, ba- uh, football, baseball were kind of like the main three. I didn't play organized football until high school. Uh, so that was more at the park because when I grew up in California, there was a weight limit. I would have had to been playing with uh, like 12 year old kids when I was eight and my mom wasn't going for that at all. It was a, it was a great smart decision on, on her part not to allow me to get out there. Just understanding what I know now, but uh, played all of them. Naturally, I was probably the best baseball player um, out of the three sports. Then it was my passion, though, you know, was was basketball. I think that's every football player's yeah. passion, right? Want to be a basketball player, you know, growing up in the era of Michael Jordan. Either uh, basketball so or music. That. Yeah, but I played on AAU teams, uh, a PAL team. So we used to go, I mean, one year we won the, the state of California and then played in, like, New Jersey. Wow. We played in uh, – up in Detroit one year for like the national championship. Um, and so I got exposed to traveling through sports, but uh, basketball was definitely my passion. Won, won a state title in basketball in, in high school, was an all-state player as well. Um, and so played a lot of things, things that I, weren't, I wasn't good at, because I got to admit that too, I wasn't a very good soccer player, especially if you hear my mom and aunt talk about it. I was out there <laughs> trying to slide and tackle and knock the, the ball away, but I was knocking kids over. Uh, and so that was one sport that I never really excelled in. But um, other than that, yeah, you know, running around, playing around, going out to the park, that was, that was my thing growing up. Really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, a little bit of a foreshadowing moment. You're out on a soccer field trying to tackle people, and then you end up being a football player. And I've heard you recently talk about, um, on another media appearance, about not having your sons play football, organized football, till high school, but you allow them to play flag. What's the reason behind that? Yeah, a lot of it is, you know, obviously the concussions, and, and, and you've been doing them, I've had them, a lot of guys that we know, and you see some of the the repercussions of concussions and what that can do to your life and shorten your career or the effects that you have when you're 50, 60 and things that you want to just try to mitigate. You know, I'm never going to allow my kids to live in fear, but I want to do things in the best and smartest way. And there's nothing that you're going to get at six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 in football as far as playing uh, competitively that you can't get in other sports minus the contact, right? And so there's no reason for them to do it. They can play flag, they can do baseball, basketball, they can do all these other sports to work on their athleticism because that's what sports, is, especially football, is all about now, playing in space. You look at college right. and the NFL games, and you play in space. And what better way than flag football where now you're in space, you have to pull, try to pull these flags and stop people from getting your flag. And so I think it's, it's actually a great way to develop that base of being an athlete, playing in space, knowing your awareness, knowing your body, and then be in a good position because you have to come to balance to pull a flag. It's, it's, it's really hard. So it helps in a mm -hmm. lot of different ways. And so that's kind of my reasoning behind it. I'm not mad at any parent that decides they want to, but playing the game, understanding it, the wear and tear, I think not playing as, as you know, think about Texas and that culture. You, you start them at four. Right. Not doing that has saved me on the back end of my career personally. And then I look at, um, just the development overall, just mind, body, I think it's just the best way to do it. Now, I may, I did have a friend kind of maybe talk me into doing like the three-day uh, contact camps with my son is maybe seventh or eighth grade, just to get them acclimated to maybe taking contact. So it's just not shocking all the first day of high school football. But other than that, I want to be in a controlled environment, you know, and flag and, and minimize the contact as best as I can. I'm glad I asked that. And you'll, you guys will realize this throughout the podcast. Everything Lorenzo does is very intentional. It's thought out. So you're going to get a lot of great answers because he doesn't just go through life on autopilot and he's doing that with his kids in an intentional way there. And he's trying to pour into others using his experience and using the lessons he learned uh, to right. be able to do that. But I didn't realize you were an all-state basketball player. I knew that you played in the first ever USA All-American game yeah. so you come out of high school as a really big recruit you have a great career at Cal at that point you go into the NFL as an undrafted free agent what was that transition into the NFL like it was a grind and um, at that point in time as as a man I went out if I had to call myself a man then I kind of shudder because I wasn't a man I wasn't ready for it maturity level um, you know emotionally wasn't ready for not being told I'm not good enough, right? Because at right. that point, football was everything. I'm the man. I'm alpha male. I'm that guy. You've never been told no. You haven't been cut or anything of that nature. You know, and I worked hard, and, but I never had that type of adversity where I had never been picked. You know, I was always the first right. one picked. You know, you go down the playground, oh, we want Zoe. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that was really hard for me going from being a, a leader in, in the man at Cal and, and one of the guys that people depended on to make him plays. Um, to a position where essentially no one picked, picked you. Now, I, I was fortunate enough to be one of the high priority free agents because there's some guys that get no calls at all and I wasn't mm -hmm. that guy. So I did have three or four teams calling me after the draft was over and I was able to pick and choose where I wanted to go based on what I thought was the best fit and end up being Carolina. 
Uh, but even then, it was still hard. I mean, you, you practice squad, and, it, and it's crazy. I was talking to a group the other day about uh, my faith, and, and, and this actually kind of ties into it. And I'm pretty sure you may even ask me later. But practice squad, I don't think most people understand what that is. I mean, you literally practice uh, and, and give a look for the other team, but you don't get to reap the benefits. You know, all the way growing up, you practice, you practice well, do well. The coach is going to put you in the game. Yep. Now I had to do that without being rewarded, right? I had to do something without seeking some type of uh, benefit from it. My benefit was seeing the guys prepared and work hard. And that took place from 2005 to 2006 when I was with Joe Gibbs. And that even turned up even more where I literally took every single rep you could possibly take in practice as a practice squad player. So I gave the offensive line look, the defensive line look, did all the special teams. And I did that back in the day where we had double days and you had padded practices mm. throughout the season. And Joe Gibbs was a, a Wednesday pad guy, a mm. Thursday pad guy, and a Friday we would take the pads out after 9 07. Oh. And so the physicality of that and then not being able to play on Sundays not only wore down me physically, but emotionally and spiritually as well. Man, there were some days where I could barely get up to my room to, to, to walk. I lived in like a duplex. I had to crawl up the stairs to get to my bedroom. Wow. So now kind of looking back on that, a lot of ways God was preparing me. I mean, because that's really what your Christian life is like, right? I mean, you, you have to grind. It's all about serving other people. You're not looking for nothing, nothing back, right? I'm serving, giving of myself to the utmost just so that you could be in the right place, right? Allowing God to flow through me to these other people. And so I think that was a, a great moment of humility um, and put me in the fire using sports to really show me something of what the Christian life is all about and really how Jesus lived, right? He gave up himself and, and suffered the ultimate death for us. And in and, 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 and some ways, I've kind of like tied those two, two together as far as my walk and really what, what the purpose of that was. Because I didn't want to go through it, but I had to in order to appreciate some of the fruits that have come later in my career. Man, there's so much gold that you just said in there. I love that comparison too. And anytime you can relate to gain of football, the game of football to business, to you Christian walk, that gives you a platform as an athlete to be able to speak to others that aren't just athletes. And right. I think you do. I think you've always done a great job of that. You know, as an athlete, you learn certain lessons that you can pass on to really anybody. And you talked about coming into the NFL and not being the man for the first time. And so many get that realization, especially nowadays, I call it the likes culture. You know, yeah. this, this group of rookies that'll be entering the NFL right now, they've had social media all the way through high school, in junior high. They're so used to that positive attention and they're gonna go have to try and take a grown man's job right. in a locker room that's got a family, <laughs> likely, likely a guy that's got a family who's out there really grinding and for the first time in their life, they're gonna have to grind for a spot and it's gonna be a different deal. What advice would you have for those rookies now entering the NFL this year, just looking back on your career wow. um, in, in, in as concise a way as you can, because I know you'd yeah. have a ton of lessons yeah, for I, them. Yeah, you, it's crazy that you even bring that, that, that uh, example up, because I was actually having a conversation with somebody the other day about, you know, what's the biggest jump? I was like, it's really your identity and who you are and why are you playing this game? Because most mm. of the time you've been playing it because of the attention, right? The fame, and right? And that's not nothing that is really lasting and is going to allow you to overcome what the league is going to throw at you because it's completely different than anything you've ever experienced. Cause now to your point, you're going against grown men. Like when you're a rookie, yeah, you're 22. Yeah. Technically, culturally, we've said you're a man, right. but you're not a man. You're a, you're a man with a lot of boyish uh, characteristics is what I call it. And that man that you're going against has defined himself and understands who he is and what his purpose is. And if it's feeding my kids, I'm, I'm coming to work a little different. 
you know, versus you just showing up, oh, I made it to the league, I'm achieving my dream. You know, right. the focus and the intentionality is, is a lot different. And so the first thing I would say, you know, the biggest thing for me is, is relationship, right? So I'm, I'm seeking out who's the vet in my, in my group, or if I don't have one in my group, in, on my side of the ball or in the locker room, and trying to figure out why did Eric Wood or why is E. Wood playing as long as he's playing, right? Mm -hmm. Or why is, who's in up? Jerry Hughes, if you want to use the Buffalo Bills analogy. Why has he been in the league for so long? And so I'm just asking questions, trying to befriend him. Hey, can, I, can we go to lunch, man? Uh, can I come over to the house? I just want to hang out and see how you operate, you know, collectively. Because it's more than just in the building, right? It's your no, holistic no. approach in life. Who you are off the field matters just as much as who you are in that building. And the more synergy you have between those two, um, uh, lifestyles, I would say, the longer you're going to be able to play in the NFL, right? Because you have a lot of guys that are dogs, work hard, um, come to, to come up, uh, train, and do everything right. But then they get home and they all over the place. You know, a couple of women, drinking, out partying, throwing money. It's not going to last that long, right? right? There's no longevity there. They have the ability, but there's no longevity there. And, and you want to try to be able to play this game as long as you can, as long as you want, and walk away on your own terms. That's the ultimate goal for or should be the ultimate goal for you as a rookie now it's hard to achieve but there's ways to set up to increase your your opportunity to do it so building relationships finding that vet finding that coach finding somebody that you can relate to and that's going to be willing to pour into you and there's a lot of guys like that i think the the old days of don't talk to me rookie you know has has gone that's left a lot, a lot of people have shifted and, and moved away from that and so don't feel overwhelmed or intimidated by somebody you know being all, all American, all pro, and potential Hall of Famer, right? If I was going to, to Arizona uh, and I'm a D lineman, I'm hollering at J.J. Watt the first day. Hey, yep. bro, I'll from you, man. You're doing it great, man. Can, you, can I just kind of work with you, can, you know, and, and just really introduce yourself? And, and most guys are good with it. Um, number two, and you know this one from Sean, is having that growth mindset, right? Yep. And for me, it's um, being content at where you're at, happy as far as your role on the team and, and make it to the league but you're never complacent. And that's, those are two different things. Being happy in your role and where you're at is good, but being complacent as far as not wanting to work and wanting to grow is something that is that you should work out of your system right now. And so having that growth mindset, and I don't care if you're a rookie or you're in your 15th year, you're always trying to find little ways to grow and, and, be, and, and create that, that longevity, right? So whether that's becoming a better leader if you're older, um, how am I taking care of my body? What are some little tweaks I can do in my workout this year that came up later the past season where maybe I pulled a hamstring? So maybe mm -hmm. I need to do some more glute work. Just little things like that um, that can help you become better. You know, oh, um, you know, maybe my fourth or fifth year, maybe I want to get in the community more. What, what, whatever that may be, but always having a constant growth mindset of how I can impact my life as well as other people around me. And those are incremental uh, movements. Um, and so those are probably the, 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 the top two. And then yep. I think uh, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. And so you, you have to find your identity in something that is eternal, right? Not things that are going to come to pass. They could be a byproduct. You can, you know, I love my wife. I love my kids, right? I love the game of football. But ultimately for me, as far as who I am as a man and, and how I impact every single day and impact those people, is through having a relationship with Christ. And if you can set that up, a vertical relationship with him, all those other things are a little bit easier or, or they become a little bit more impactful as you go through them 
because now you're working with the spirit of God through you and people can feel that and see that. And, I, and I'm saying that because at one time I was that rookie and I saw guys like Antoine Randall, Renardo Wynn, when I was in the Washington um, football team's locker room, live that out. And once I really gave my life to Christ, those relationships became more fruitful. Um, God started showing me things through those relationships as far as what I talked about, growth mindset and putting people in front of me that was going to challenge me. And, I, and things just became more fruitful and became more impactful. It wasn't always easy, but the, the other end, the other side of that was I was in a much better place than when I was living without that, that relationship with Christ. Man. Tons of great stuff there, and I'm with you on the last one. And and we're both Christians, so we would say the eternal is uh, one to maximize our gifts for our heavenly Father, honor right. Him in all that we do. But for others, it might be uh, leave a legacy that that transcends you, that it makes right. your makes your family name proud. Whatever it is, it's it's got to be something bigger than what your current circumstances are. It's it's no coincidence that Lorenzo first talked about building relationships, have Luke Keekley come on, two excellent linebackers, two of the best linebackers in the NFL during their time, Lorenzo and Luke Keekley, and they both said the exact same thing for how you transition in the NFL. And that's transitioning into business. That's anything you're in. That's relationships. And then growth mindset. We talk about it all the time. You wouldn't have got to almost episode 80 right now through this podcast if you weren't focused on a growth mindset because you would have just been worn out by guest after guest talking about how it's daily continual improvement. It's that 1% better each and every single day. So those were, those were three just phenomenal points there. And earlier in your career, um, you bounce around as a backup defensive tackle, ultimately you get your first start in the NFL at tight end. You moved to defensive end, outside linebacker, played a little guard, as you talked about earlier. You know, you're a beast on special teams. Then you end up at outside linebacker and, and you become a Pro Bowl position player at outside linebacker. I, I know you're not comfortable bragging on yourself, but I'm asking you to brag on yourself. As a, as a man, how are you able to be so adaptable in all of those different positions? Because yeah. that's, not, that's not natural. That doesn't happen right. very often in the NFL. Well, first, I did go to the number one public university in the country, uh, Cal Berkeley. So, you know, I, I had to be intelligent to get through there and get my degree. So that was the number one thing, because you got to be able to handle the, the juggling act of offense, defensive schemes, techniques are a lot different, and you have to be able to be fluid. And, and mentally, if you get bogged down, then everything else, and that's just generally, right? And now mm -hmm. you add these two or three, four of the spots. And so I think I was able to handle that just from a mentality standpoint, just, be, just having a natural uh, ability to kind of hold that information. Um, but I, I can't take it all. I wish I could take all the glory for this. I mean, again, it goes back to relationships. Every time I made a transition into a, a different spot, I had a pretty good player. Fullback, I had Mike Sellers, if you remember that name. If you don't yep. know who that is, go Google him. Dude was like 270, 280, playing fullback, H-back, dominant player. Uh, Chris Samuels. Uh, you know, played 10 in the years. We call, used to call him Big Pro. He taught me how to block uh, when I was playing off at the line. A guy that could potentially be a Hall of Famer. London Fletcher, another potential Hall of Famer. Mm. When I made the transition to linebacker. And I just constantly had him. From coming to Buffalo, guys like yourself and Kyle Williams continue to learn and understand game. And, and that was year 13, 14. I'm still learning from guys um, of how to become a better football player. And that's why I was able to eventually, later in my career, when people think you need to be out of the league, you shock them and have 12 and a half sacks and go to a Pro Bowl, as you, as you mentioned, because I continually place myself around great people. And then I had some great coaches along the way 
Um, Danny Smith probably being the best I had as far as special teams coach. I, I love Leslie Frazier as far as what he brought um, to me as far as spiritually and how to be a man off the field and all mm -hmm. that dynamic because he played for a long time too. And so just being around good men like that within the game um, allowed me to kind of move what seemed seamless to the outside eye. Like, man, how did he do this? This has not, never been done or is not done often because of those people around me and then making sure um, that I was always trying to grow and pick their brains and, and, and add it to my game. You know, I'm, I'm still a little bit of Mike, still a little bit of Chris and make it my own and, and you know, just being resilient. Um, I think at the end of the day, my perspective, after I got into the league and got cut a couple of times, my perspective, you know, and I think everybody's perspective is like this too when you first start. It's like, hey, I want to play in the NFL. You don't say I want to uh, – Necessarily, I want to be the starting guard or the center. You don't get real specific like that when you're right. a kid, right? I want to be in the NFL. Right. Whatever, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I want to play. So I started having that mindset, and I think that allowed me to have a, a better position as far as being content in the roles that I, that I was given and going out there and, and living it out to my best of my ability. I think Sean said the best. I mean, it's the first time I'm pretty sure he didn't come up with it, but work while you wait. So I'm working while I'm waiting until I get something that I actually want, right? So I was content where I, want, where I was at, being a utility special teams guy, but I wasn't complacent as far as where I wanted to be or where I wanted to go. And that was to be a starting outside linebacker, linebacker playing. And so I took what I was given, utilized that, and then what is, uh, whatever um, given to somebody a little bit, then God knows he can trust you with more, then he gives you more. And that's the way I worked through it, very methodical in, in that nature. And again, that faith component definitely helped me um, understand um, understand that process a little bit more clear um, versus try to just go through it on my own will and own understanding. Yeah, and let me make this clear to all those listening out there. Pos switching positions in the NFL is extremely difficult. Like Lorenzo's talking about what made it easier, but switching positions is extremely difficult. Malcolm Gladwell talks about how it takes 10,000 hours to build a skill set. And while some of those skills are transferable from position to position, right. there are certain nuances that only come through experience. And when you were making those transitions, it's, it's so difficult. And the fact that you were able to adapt and you talked about always being a learner and, and Jim Quick, I love Jim Quick's work. And he always says, leaders are learners. And you've got yeah. to constantly be on a mission to learn. And, and this is a guy who I looked up to and learned a lot from. And he's, he's talking about how he learned from someone younger than him in the organization. Don't put yourself on a pedestal. You can learn from anybody. And then this was a small thing, but if you heard Lorenzo say, I took bits and pieces from Chris Samuels. I took bits and pieces from Mike Sellers. He didn't say I have to be this man. Right. He didn't say I have to be Mike Sellers when I'm in the backfield. I don't have to be Chris Samuels. I'm going to take bits and pieces. Find people in your life that you look up to and find bits and pieces because God gave you a skill set and gifts, but you can learn from others. Don't idolize someone. Don't compare yourself. Take bits and pieces from what they got. Man, that was, that was so good. And you make all these position switches. And for anybody with any football knowledge out there, you know that there's much different body requirements to play, yeah. especially offensive guard to outside linebacker. That's probably like the biggest body change difference. How were you able to lose all the weight to then play at the end of your career at a 245 pounds when we played together? Well, I wish I, I wish the E Wood program was around back then because it would have been a lot easier, man. You taking pictures with your shirt off these days, ripped up, you know, pro blonde, just six packed up. That's still, that's still my goal. I still haven't got a true six pack like that yet. So 
I'm actually working Hold on, on it right five, now. Five days and it'll suck so much inflammation out of you. There's yeah, my, my wife actually, we did it. We did it uh, like earlier this year. So I definitely am a, a huge believer in it. So I'll do okay. it again next year. Like you said, once a year is, yep. is good enough for me. Um, but I, I, I did it because I had to do it, first of all, right? People say, how did you do it, man? It's hard to do. Well, it was my job and I wanted to play in the league more than I wanted to be 315 pounds, right? Right. So I had to adapt and figure out ways. And again, I got around some good people. I got with a guy named Chris Matice, who's a great nutritionist in the Virginia area. Uh, I got with a trainer named Chris Gorez as well, a guy that was training a little bit different. I actually started training my wife first. And, and to tell you, humility, I, I know, and like you say, I, sometimes I talk like it's easy. It is not, it's not easy. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm not naturally humble. And I've been humbled at different parts of the times in my life. And I've learned how to be humble. And when I catch myself not being it, I make sure that I, I remind myself, chill out. And again, like the E. Woods part, it can come from anywhere. Age doesn't matter or profession or skill level. And let me give you a couple examples and I'll answer your question. Chris Tyson was training my wife. Um, okay, he's training my wife. And he was like, my wife came home and was like, this dude wants to train you. Like, who is this dude? He's training right. you. Why would he, what do you know about elite athletes, right? Fast forward 10 years, one of the best dudes I know, great friends, trained me for some of the best years of my career. Wow. Another time where I wasn't humble, getting a massage at Massage Envy, if you remember those, yep. used to be around, obviously, before this pandemic. Uh, but uh, went in there, my, my, no one masseuse wasn't in there. Obviously, the good ones are hard to, to book. Using this random person, really didn't like them when they were kind of going through my body just as a, a therapist. And he told me, he's like, man, your hamstrings a little tight, man. And I was like, man, what does this dude know? Next week in the game, pulled hamstring. Mm. So it's just got to remind yourself, hey, man, you, it can come from anywhere. And a lot of times, don't take it from the source. It's actually God speaking through them. Yep. So that's how I receive. Anytime I get something when somebody's trying to warn me or tell me uh, or approach me, I'm willing to listen uh, first just to hear because it, it's it may be God trying to speak to me and they may have some expertise that that's part of my life. Yeah. Someone said to me one time, he said, humble yourself before God or else he will humble you. And, <laughs> and it's a lot easier when you humble yourself. Right. And so um, I had to do that in order to um, lose the weight. And so it was really just changing my diet. I mean, that's probably 80% of, and I grew up, you know, low income. And I used to go to, you know, my favorite meal back in the day from Jack in the Box was a number six, uh, extra large curly fries, uh, extra, extra special sauce, right? What's the number uh, with six? The, with the lemonade. That was the ultimate cheeseburger, uh, lettuce and tomato, you know, and I had to have the curly fries and a big lemonade. So mm. that's just how, how often I order it. Like I still remember what I was eating when I was growing up. So I wouldn't put the best stuff in my body. And so just getting with a professional to, to understand, tweak, being intentional about where I wanted to be, how I wanted to operate. And it was a, it was a progression. And so one year I was 315. Next year I came back at 295. One year of 295, came back at 275, and then 55, and then kind of found my sweet spot around 45, 40. And so over that time, just working with those people, and as my position changed, I had to make sure I changed in order to, to be able to accomplish what the coaches were expecting of me. And so for a long time, I had to cover kicks. And doing that at 295 is cool a couple of times, <laughs> but by, by week you know, 16, them hammies start feeling it. So, oh, yeah. Just trying again, growth mindset. How can I get better? Well, maybe I need to lose a bit of weight, more weight. I know I'm playing defensive end, but I'm really a special teamer. So let me change my, my body towards more of that so I can excel there. And then from there, this thing started to, to flourish as far as me moving to different positions and, and being productive there. But stop drinking. That was another one. Um, 
before before I found Christ, I was a big time drinker, probably a social alcoholic in a lot of ways. And so I definitely had to get away from that. Um, and a lot of that came from getting married to Manjanique and I never wanted to be a fool and make a, a stupid mistake. So actually mm -hmm. having somebody that was dependent on me helped me change. Again, what we were talking about earlier, uh, the difference between a grown man feeding his family and a kid coming in the league, living his dream. Now I have people dependent on me. So right. let me get my mind right and start uh, being a man and disciplining myself the way I needed to. And so with that relationship uh, with God um, and then with those relationships with that trainer, Chris, Chris Matice and Chris Gores working together, I was able to kind of chop away at the weight um, over a period of like probably like four or five years. Yeah. And if you notice the first thing Lorenzo said when he said what I had to do, he said, I had to do it. And for some of you out there, change is difficult, whether it's a weight change, job, whatever it may be. If you, if you put yourself in the mindset, I have to do this, there's no other way to chase my dreams, to be who I want to be. That's how you get it done. You mentioned your, your pivot, your, your transition to a, a devoted life to Christ. Was there one pivot point for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's a sad one, um, you know, through adversity. Um, I was in Washington. I got there in 2006, week five. Sean Taylor was a part of that, that organization then, and I got to see him work and play alongside of him uh, 2006 and part of 2007. Uh, he was murdered in 2007 when he went back home because he had like an injury and he just was going home for the weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and, and out of that, I, I had watched this guy, obviously probably one of the best safeties who ever played the game and probably would have been that if you had the opportunity to continue to play. Definitely. But the way he worked, the way he used his gift, the way he uh, really sometimes even applied pressure to his own life, and I mean to the, to the point of, like in practice, it'd be 100 degrees humid in, 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 in Virginia. He out there with full sweatsuit on or in the sauna working out. He was always doing things to apply pressure to himself so that when he wouldn't play the game, it was just much easier for him. And so I just saw the way he worked, a talented guy, but his work ethic was off the charts. And then you couple that with a guy that was maturing, going through that process from having some boorish characteristics and trying to get them away from him and grow up and, and be a great husband and be a great father. You see him get murdered in that process and all the ability that he had. And it makes you look like, that's Sean We I'm not invincible. This mm -hmm. is Sean Taylor. Meast. They used to call him Meast. Half man, half beast. This dude is no longer with us. And so it really puts... Um, just a realization that we aren't untouchable, that life isn't guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And so I had to look inward and just see, you know, what type of legacy would I be leaving? You know, who had I really impacted outside of myself um, as far as getting to the NFL? And I'm not talking about money and houses and cars, but just whose life had I touched right. and, and made an impact on in, in a positive way. And at that point, it was really nothing. It was I had a, a lot of regret in my life by the way I was living it. A lot of my interactions were negative. You know, you think about relationships that I had with women back in then and, and how that, that went, you know, being a professional athlete and what you're supposed to be and kind of diving into what the society told me I should be. And it was a lot of regret um, that came out of that, a lot of sadness. And I didn't know what the fix was. So out of that, out of that made me look inward. And then I was also doing that time, I think God was working on me. I had men, I mentioned them earlier, Ronaldo Wynn, uh, Antoine Rambaleo, James Thrash was another strong believer. You could see these guys move in the locker room much differently than every, anybody else or anybody, other, uh, anybody else in my life that had called them a Christian, at them, called themselves a Christian at that time. A lot of times they were, you know, lukewarm about it. These, these brothers was all in. 
are all in. And they didn't have to necessarily say it to me. I could see it by the way they lived their life, where they treated their wives, the way they showed up to work, just something different. And so um, just through those, that rela those relationships, being cultivated, hanging out with them, going over to their houses. Um, we had a team chaplain, Pastor Brett, that was also um, seeking me and mentoring me. Um, I think all of that kind of came to a head at the end of the 2007 season. That's when Sean passed. So like uh, January 2008, that's when I decided for myself to give my life to Christ. You know, I had been baptized as a Catholic, but this was my decision saying, hey, I'm all in, Christ. I, I, I want a relationship with you. I've been walking with him um, ever since, just trying to grow closer, you know, every single day, picking up your cross, as we say, it's not, you know, in, our, in every, every aspect of my life. Man, I appreciate you sharing those words, though. That, that was powerful. For me, similar situation. God put men in my life that I aspired to be like, that were all Christian men at the time that I was extremely um, impressionable through my mid-20s, where yeah. I entered the league in very boyish ways. And when you enter the NFL locker room, it's hard to develop socially and as a man sometimes because the rookies keep either getting younger nowadays because they're entering the league <laughs> earlier – or they're the same age. It's like the uh, days of confused. They, they just stay yep. the same age. Well, yep. it's hard for you to develop socially unless God puts men in your life or you are able to recognize men in your life that, oh, I, I want to aspire to be like him. What's different about Lorenzo Alexander? What's different about Kyle Williams? What's different about our FCA director at Louisville, Chris Morgan? All these guys that God put around me that had strong family lives, strong work ethic, high character, uh, but to just the way they were with their wives and their children for me was so appealing to me. And there was one con common denominator and that was a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what turned me on to it. It wasn't ever them handing me a Bible, which some of them did gift me that it wasn't right. those moments. It was just how they lived their life. I, I loved how you talked about that back to your career a little bit. So after the loss to the Texans in the 2020 playoff game, you decided to hang up the cleats and, and, and transition out of the NFL into retirement besides being just extremely old, which I always love to point that out to you just because you were one of the only guys older than me on the team. But besides, but besides being old, what went into that the decision? And then just talk about your transition out of the NFL, please. Yeah, well, it was definitely a process. And, and fortunately, I, I afforded myself to have that kind of lead up time to kind of go through that process because most guys don't get to make the choice. You know, even in your instance, right, an injury, right? right? Or you're told you're too expensive or you, you're not good enough in a team removes themselves from you. So I was very fortunate in, in having the ability to make that decision on my own and, and have a choice. And I think that made it a little easier when I finally got there. But it really was a four-year process for me. I mean, even probably before I got to Buffalo, it was like 2015, I was in Oakland, and I really didn't like the culture there. I had gotten there right when the season was starting because uh, the Arizona Cardinals had cut me. And so the relationships, I hadn't really established them. Obviously, I was a little behind. I was a new guy. I was working through it. Really didn't vibe well with the coaching staff. And I was like, man, this is not even fun. I'm playing well. I'm finally healthy. I mean, I, you know, I can do what I want to do, but this is not fun. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to probably retire after this year. I'm telling my wife, yeah, I'm going to probably retire. So I, I, that, that kind of continued for the next four years, even after wow. like the, 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 the 12 and a half sack season, which was the next year. I couldn't retire after that, though. No. No way. <laughs> but 2017, it started again. Like, hey, yeah, maybe I'll retire. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. My body, yeah, maybe I'll retire. Maybe. But it really wasn't until 2018 
um, and I was sitting on the bench, Minnesota Vikings, after I kind of, and you know, you guys used to give me uh, a, a lot of um, trash talk for going out there four hours early, but you know, right. it's, it's what I do, right? Get out there early, get loose enough, because I'm old, I got to get my mind right, body right. I remember going through my whole process and then kind of sitting down on the sideline and just kind of taking it in. And I was finally at peace with the decision of like, I don't need this anymore. Um, I don't have to play football. This is kind of my choice. And I was at that point, I realized I was ready to start transitioning. And, and a lot of it had to do with, obviously my wife wanted me to retire just because we've been in a long time. And it's really hard on our spouses and our kids because it takes so much tunnel vision, which I learned to balance eventually, but so much tunnel vision to, to get better, maintain your, obviously maintain what you have and then get better as you get older in the league, right? Because you got, as you said, these younger dudes constantly coming in, uh, bigger, stronger, faster. You got, you start making more money. GM's looking at you differently. Okay, where's the value? Uh, my body itself is starting to break down. I feel like crap during the week. And, and, and you, you, you guys will laugh at me again. Like, <laughs> we see you walking around like that, and then you take off down on kickoff. What, how, how, how do you do that, right? And so, I know. I'm like, one of them's fake. And yeah. I know I'm doing it on Sundays. <laughs> so that got increasingly harder. You know, almost taking care of my body felt like another job as far as the massages and the physical therapies for the chiropractors, dry needling, the ART. Like, my gosh, you know, I got to do all of this just to kind of feel okay on Sunday, not to even feel like, oh, I can go down here. And then I got to the point to where, and I think this is the worst part about getting old in the NFL. You know how you're going to feel when you run through somebody or you do this, you know, you know what you're going to feel mm -hmm. like the next day. And so then I got to the point to where oh, I could blow this dude up, but let me just hat and hands him and just hold the edge. And especially like on special teams and stuff when it's bigger impact versus being like my old self. Like, I'm about to run through this dude and then go make the tackle, right? Right. I got to the point to where I really didn't want to do that anymore. And so the culmination of all those things and then wanting to spend more time with my kids, um, they, had got the, they had gotten the opportunity to enjoy it as older kids. Even my six-year-old played long enough to where he could come in the locker room and enjoy it, training camps. Um, it, was, it was time to more invest in them, kind of step into the background, allow my wife to do some of the things that she had been putting uh, on hold. Um, and that's where it, it kind of hit me, 2018. I think it might have been week four versus the Minnesota Vikings. And I was at peace with it. Uh, but it just didn't happen overnight. It was definitely some negotiating and, man, what am I going to do without ball? Because as much as you want to be intentional about not making ball, your identity, you've done it for so long. It's the vehicle that I've used for so long. I'm in my comfort zone. And it was time to get away from that comfort zone and so I could open up and, and use some of the other talent and really impact other people, a lot more people than just the people in the locker room um, and, and myself that I had been, been doing over the last 15 years. Yeah, throughout uh, a lot of your words today, it reminds me of a Jackie Robinson quote that I have at the bottom of all my personal stationery. And it's that, you know, the, a life is not valuable except for in the impact it has on others. You know, that's yeah. Jackie Robinson saying that how many years ago? It still applies today. Yep. still applied when Jesus Christ said it 2,000 years ago. And I love that you constantly are looking to make an impact on others. And when you, you mentioned that we would give you a bunch of crap about, you know, him like hobbling around throughout the week in an NFL locker room, you're just cutting up on everybody. Well, we didn't right. have a lot on Zoe, so we had to keep making fun of him being old and right. around. But I'll never forget this for the rest of my life, um, just because it had such an impact on me at, this, at the time. In 2016, Rex Ryan came into a team meeting, and Rex Ryan's 
team meetings were like a comedy hour. You know, it, it was at yeah. the beginning of the day. It's at 730 in the morning. He would get everyone going. You can do it in a couple different ways. Sean McDermott would show Michael Jordan videos and whatnot. Right. And Rex Ryan would kind of bring some laughter and whatnot, get your juices going in the morning. Well, he comes in one day and he's kind of serious. And I'm like, well, something must be wrong. And he said, man, I just had this uh, conversation with one of the guys on the team and it kind of shook me up. And Lorenzo, and, and I'm going to tell you, uh, this will probably embarrass you, me telling this, but it's complimentary. Lorenzo had gone up to Rex Ryan on a Monday or Tuesday and told him, because of my hamstring, I guess you had hamstring issues a lot throughout your career, but because yeah, of your yeah, hamstring, yeah. you thought you could rush the passer still, but you weren't sure that you could cover kickoffs. And you got emotional telling him that because you were like, but covering kickoffs is who I am. Like covering right, kickoffs right. and punt, that's how I have my voice to tell the dudes that I want them to go in a certain way during the game because it's one thing to rush the passer 75 times a game, which is extremely tough. Right. But then when you got to go cover kicks and punts, too, and you're the first one down and you may or may not be the fastest, that says something. And Rex got emotional talking about it, and, and Rex wasn't an emotional guy. But you, but you made that type of impact on him by just saying, like, man, it, it hurts me, but I don't think I can cover kicks and punts. And I'll truly never forget that. It was it – was, uh, startling because Rex wasn't himself because it shook him that bad. And it was such just a, an incredible story. And you mentioned a couple times talking about Manjanique and the kids and um, your relationship with them. And this, um, let me preface this. Lorenzo hosted a couple's Bible study at his house during the season. I, I got, he, we lived four doors away from each other. I got to see the type of man he was at home. And so I don't say this in a way that he wasn't present. He was there for his wife and kids, but there's a lot, Everyone talks about mom guilt out there, but there's a lot of dads that feel that dad guilt because they're working so much and they miss certain things. So for those out there, whether you're in pro sports or in business, what what advice would you have for them to try and balance? And and, and, and there's times of life where it's not a balance during the middle of the season. There's no balance, but about being intentional with your moments when you are home. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I struggled as as I grew up in the league too, right? Because I got to the league, I was single, then got married, had kids. And I can still remember my first year because we are such creatures of habit that you want to do everything right uh, over and over and over and over again, right? And so I had, because I had, I got cut 05, bounced around and a little bit in 06, and then I finally made the team in 07. I had a process where I was going back, training with my guy, his name is Thomas Weatherspoon got me ready so I felt like that was what got me ready that got me on the team I get married in January 2008 uh we end up having Zoe in August of 2008 and then so but that summer leading up to camp what did uh the boyish stupid Lorenzo do I went back out to California with a pregnant wife by myself and trained for three weeks because that was part of my process right right I could have easily trained wherever I needed to train at or I could have had her come with me but I was Stupid. I was. I didn't have balance, right? And so over the process of my career, I've obviously gotten smarter being around other men, and figured out that I have to be. To your point, you have to be intentional about carving out or being a little bit uncomfortable to make sure the people that matter to you the most are are comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't like taking trips during camp or during the summer or anything because that messes up my my training. But what I learned to do as I we had kids and we had to have family time that I would find gyms wherever we were going, just get up super early, 6 a.m., go get my workout in. And by the time I was getting back, everybody was getting up and then we'd go have our day. And both, both things were taken care of. And so I had to get creative. And yes, it's going to be 
um, an inconvenience for you as whatever you're doing as a man. Um, but the relationship that you're tending to is going to be much more beneficial and legacy when you look up 15, 20 years later when your kids, oh, daddy made time for us. Oh, I remember mm -hmm. this one. Daddy do this when we went on this trip. And they might not even remember that you went to go work out, but they're going to remember the trip. So you have to do things that's going to get you out of your comfort level or may, in your mind, put you in the best position to maybe to win, right? Win that, that, that contract that you've been working on or win that position battle. Uh, because at, at the end of the day, when you, move, when you get away from it, those things don't matter. And it was such a blessing to end my career in Buffalo and for them to have, especially with Sean, to have such an emphasis on family. Mm -hmm. Like on my off days, I used to just bring the kids up there and we used to eat breakfast and then I would mm -hmm. take them to school, especially like on Tuesdays when we was our off day. I used to find ways where I can incorporate them with my work or even if I was going to get treatment, take them with me. They had a great big bubble. Hey man, go outside, get a ball, play. And they, and they loved that. They were not, maybe not in my, not in my immediate vicinity, but they were in my presence. They were going to daddy's job with me Right, and we got to you know create memories that way, um, and so that was really cool. And where the organization allows you to create that balance with your family, but if you don't have that, that um, um, that benefit with your job, you have to be intentional and create those moments, and and be uncomfortable. But that's part of being a man, right? Sacrifice, discipline, and figuring out ways where you can put your family first, and then also obviously provide and take care of them too even though it may be the most convenient time for you to do it. Man, a couple really good takeaways right there. One, sometimes as a dad, if you have stuff like working out, stuff that you like to get in your schedule, and I'm all about getting your sleep, but sometimes you're going to have to create a few hours in the day. And, right. and, and you need to do it in the morning, honestly, because yep. I'm all about at night, you devote that time to your wife and you go to the bed at the same time as your wife. If, if that, yeah. if you're yeah. able to. Yep. So you got to create that time. I suggest create it in the morning. And then integrate when possible, integrate your family into your work. However that is, if you can integrate them in, that's going to be extremely powerful uh, right. for you in trying to keep that balance. Uh, for all those out there, you want to follow Lorenzo on Instagram. We'll get his tags at the end. But I've been seeing him training hard. And I want to know, when you're still putting up 315 on bench was easy with, with ease. When you're deadlifting 455 for five, when you're doing that kind of stuff, is there ever that itch like, man, could I give it one more run? No, no, and, and a couple of teams hit me up, man, too. Last year, Bills called me, the Cardinals called me here, and I was just like, I thought about it. And I was like, no, nah, I'm all right, I'm all right, especially, you know, everything just didn't flow well. But the more I've gotten away from the game, especially watching the season, both, both of those were pretty early in the season. You watch these dudes fly down, I'm like, them catch is crazy. There's, there's no way that I ever, ever did that, right? I didn't do that. Right. So there's no way I'm going to subject myself to it now. It's just too much wear and tear. I mean, when, once you've gotten away from it, it's cool to think that you can do it, but to go out there and physically do it is, is just no way. I, I actually had a chance to train some guys over at Exos that was getting ready for the combine. Yep. And the coolest thing for me when I was, cause I was showing them some drills and this is how we're going to do it and, and like demoing it for them. I, all I need right now is like, man, you can still play, huh? Yeah, right. I could, but I'm not. So it's my choice. So that, that's, that's my cup is full when it comes to that because I know I can do it, but there's no way that I'm going to go out there and put my body through that type of trauma ever again. Good. I'm glad you have peace with it, honestly. And for me, I got the door slammed shut on me. I'll never yeah. pass a physical again. So I got 
uh, the clarity and the peace through that. Like there, I get hit up by Bills fans all the time. Like you should come back and play tight end. I'm like, I'm not that athletic. They got plenty of good tight ends and I'll never pass a physical. Well, okay. So no return to the NFL. Now I see you working on your golf game. I know how you work at stuff. What type yeah. of golfer are you going to be? I'm going to be competitive. You know, we got a couple of really good golfers. You're, you're one of them that's in our circle. I mean, I got my guy, obviously, Kyle Williams, uh, London Fletcher. and Larry Fitzgerald. Fitz is really good. Just a lot of guys in my circle that, that are really good. And, you know, if you, you've been around me. And I, I'm, I'm really competitive at a lot of things. And you can maybe not even think it's a competitive moment. But if it's a chance for it to be competitive, I'm probably the one being competitive. And I might not be ever saying anything. It might be just in my mind, just working on stuff. So, I'm very meticulous because I'm working with my guy out here, Jen Park, uh, uh, Park, really good teacher. And he's like surprised, like, oh man, I just love working with you uh, elite athletes because he'll be going through some, some drills that are like real basic. And he said like, I know this is boring. I'm like, no, it's not. I, I, I need this foundational work. So if I ever get into a rut, I know how to correct myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm just really enjoying it, getting to learn the game, the mechanics of it. And so you got to give me about a year. I probably need another year or so to really get some some uh, rounds underneath me and some more teaching. And then I'll be able to step out there and uh, actually talk some trash and actually have something to back it up with. Because right now, it's just a lot of hot air. But it's, it's been fun. I've I really been enjoying it. Something different, something new. All right, I'll give you one year, and then we have our Scottsdale trip. And the good thing about golf is, as long as you post your rounds, we could play a handicapped game and be competitive. Yeah. Because the, the game will – the gin will dictate the strokes and we could play competitively, but you have one year and then we're playing and we are going to be competing out in Arizona. Cause I'm <laughs> this time next year, I'm going to be ready to get out of Kentucky still uh, get out of this cold. And in one last thing on, on Lorenzo's points there in, in a lot of what he said throughout the day, when you listen to this, pay attention to how many times he's mentioned someone's name that has coached him, whether it was nutrition, training, golf, being a Christian, talking about football. Right. Lorenzo is a coachable dude. That's why he's successful. Be coachable in whatever aspect um, you're trying to get better at, whatever industry you're in, be coachable. And don't and always look for people that have done it before or can help you along your journey and be humble enough to take that coaching. And, and I was just, as soon, when, you, when you mentioned again, just another name, I'm like, one, you elevate other people and you use their names. And, and I love how you do that. And, and you elevated so many former teammates and, and people that helped you on your journey here today. But, but it's also amazing how many people you named that were coached, that coached you and how right. coachable you are. So I just want to give you a shout out on that. All right. We have a few recurrent questions before I let you go. Number one, what's your favorite book? Wow. Favorite book. Uh, got me on that one. Um, Eternity is now talks about uh i don't know if you read it but talks about the how christ is the beginning and the end right or god is the beginning and the end and we're actually experiencing him, him now eternity is not off in the distance in in the realm of christ it, it, we're living in it now so really uh be intentional and impactful in your life right now don't wait to see him in glory and so that's that, that's probably why it's one of my favorites what was your first car um, I actually still have it. It's my, my 1966 Mustang. Dad bought it for me uh, my senior year in high school. Um, and I'm going to keep it forever. Hopefully I can get this thing right. It's been a journey with this car. So I can hand it down to one of my kids. But uh, yeah, 1966 uh, Ford Mustang. Love it. That's awesome. Uh, who's the most famous person in your phone? Uh, most famous person? Uh, probably have to be uh, Larry Fitzgerald. 
That's yeah. probably the highest person up on the ring. That's probably like nationally known all across in different things too, because he does a lot of different things. And he's part owner of the Suns team now too. So, unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, what's your favorite restaurant? Favorite restaurant, man. You know, I'm a brunch guy. I love breakfast. There's actually like a little. It's a chain now too, because there's a couple of them that popped up. It's called the Breakfast Kitchen Bar out here in. Uh, Scottsdale area and I just love it because they have like keto stuff too so they have like some healthier options and I, I love me some good keto pancakes and they got these keto pancakes with little uh, sausage and bacon on top fire eat that every meal all day every day now for anybody in the Louisville area listening right now if you want to create a restaurant that has something similar to that we do not have that in Louisville right now oh. and you will have a customer in me I'll do podcasts <laughs> from there I promise uh what was your favorite wing spot in Buffalo uh, Bill Bar or Bar Bill, I should say. Bar yep. Bill. Yep. yep, me too. All right, last one for me. What's next for Lorenzo Alexander? Well, that's been the hard part. And I know you've gotten asked that a lot too, right? Um, and that is probably the hardest part about the transition because of just how we did our careers, the relationships, the people you met, how you treated people. There's a lot of opportunity. And now there's no longer having that one thing in football that you can really set. This is the foundation and everything else kind of connects to that. That's probably been the biggest struggle for me in transition because, I, you know, running this, you know, uh, NFL flag as I'm repping, uh, maybe doing a cryotherapy uh, business out here in Phoenix, uh, going back to school, uh, doing media, um, working with uh, Avalon Sports Media Group as uh, uh, the uh, VP of player engagement. So there's a lot of different things that I'm doing, and I'm really just trying to organize them because they, a lot of them overlap and they have a lot of synergy even like training kids over the EXO. There's a lot of synergy in what I'm doing. And so that's, that's kind of what I've been doing, like a smorgasbord of events, but really just trying to organize it so my life doesn't feel as chaotic or overwhelming sometimes. Because a lot of times you overcommit, do a lot of things. Like, man, it's a lot of stuff, but I'm about to go do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I committed to it. So that's, those are like probably like the top five things that I'm doing and just trying to organize them right now. Yeah, that's great. And, and honestly, as long as you're staying true to your core values and everything you're doing right now, you know, you have a lot of stuff going. And there would be some people out there would say, man, Zoe, you have too much going to be able to focus on one thing and be great at right. it. But you know what? You've played football for the last, well, we'll say 20 years, yeah. but, you know, professionally for the last 13, 15 years of your life, you were, you were, you were playing football at such a high level. Give yourself a chance to dip your toe into a few different things. See what you right. truly love. And as long as they all fit your core values, they don't go against your non-negotiables in life, which I know that you'll do that, then you can have peace knowing like, hey, I'm just figuring it out on this journey. Yeah. Now, I know uh, who, I'm, who I'm serving in this, and I'm going to constantly serve others. I'm going to be the best dad and husband I can be. I'm going to make an impact at home first. Well, then you can have so much peace knowing like myself, and I'm just doing this podcast. but we're impacting lives through this. Your, your words are going to be so, they were impactful on me. They're going to be so impactful on other people. And so, yes, we spent an hour of our time here today doing this, but, but it's not about us. You know, it's about, it's about others. And, and so many people are going to want to find out more about you on social media. And he's at one man gang on Twitter. He's at Lorenzo underscore John on Instagram. And then check out his foundation website as well. And that's LorenzoAlexander.org, correct? Yep. All right. Good deal. So I can't thank you enough for your time here today. You were absolutely phenomenal. I knew you would be guys follow this man. 
he is going to be in a, a superstar in whatever industry he decides to get into next. But I know deep down this man's going to be a superstar at home first. So, so I appreciate your time, brother. I appreciate you too, Brian. Anytime. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to tell you about a product that I've been absolutely loving lately, and that's the Uller from ChiliPad. It is a temperature-controlled mat that goes under your sheets on your bed. It controls your body temperature throughout the night. I originally heard this product endorsed by Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, David Nurse, and others, and I knew I had to give it a try. Maximizing the amount of deep sleep you get in a night is so important, especially when it's not possible at times to get a full seven or eight hours. ChiliPad puts you at the perfect temperature all night to promote deep sleep. When you get enough deep sleep, your learning capability is higher, your memory is stronger, you're prepared to take on your toughest workouts. In other words, you're in peak physical and mental shape after a night of true recovery. That's why finding a way to get more deep sleep is always at the top of my priority list. I will attach a link to purchase the chili pad in the show notes and use code ERIC22 at checkout to get 22% off your order. I personally use the Uller and I love it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or with your followers on social media. Also, shoot us a rating and support the sponsors whose information is in the show notes. Until next time, as I tell my daughter before she leaves for school every day, spread some joy and make it the best day ever.